Greetings Grapple fans, it's time once again for two wrestling fans to talk about wrestling matches that have been rated 5 stars or higher by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. We're 21 matches, uh, we're 20 matches into this now and we have no intention of quitting anytime soon, Si. And maybe that's why it's appropriate that the first gimmick match, I'm not getting audio for mine so hopefully you're getting it from yours. Um, we'll have to find out, but yeah. It's showing us recording, so... Yeah. We are covering the first gimmick match in the 20 that we've covered so far, as it is a I Quit match, headlining Clash of the Champions 9, coming to us from lovely Troy, New York, at the Houston Fieldhouse. And oh. it is him yet again, the nature boy Ric Flair, facing off against Terry Funk, the man that we'd seen at the end of the previous Ric Flair match that we covered, the first match to get a unanimous five stars from us and Dave Meltzer at WrestleWar 89, where Ric Flair reclaimed his NWA World Heavyweight Championship from Ricky Steamboat, ending their legendary series of matches, and kicking off an entirely different kind of feud with Terry Funk. Whilst Steamboat and Flair was a battle of ideologies, lifestyles, and just the two best in the world, arguably, duking it out. This was very much a crazy old man trying to hurt the champion, Ric Flair. And that is where we are. This is the feud capper after they started the feud like five or so months ago with Terry Funk pile driving Ric Flair on a table, forcing Ric Flair to nearly retire. He's now going to make him quit, at least in one match. Simon, what are your thoughts of the I Quit match in general? Um, I do like the, it's a great get out. Uh, it's a great feud capper because there's no like, oh, lucky pinfalls. There's no like, oh, submission we thought under the rope. One man has to physically say, no, I'm out of this. That well, verbally, that's the thing. Like a physical submission is represented by a tap out. Or but what's out. interesting about it, it's like people that can submit in matches, there, there doesn't seem to... Well, there is still some shame attached to it if you're a babyface submitting. But there is that significance to an I Quit match. It's a public humiliation because they have to do it over the speakers yeah. uh, with the microphone shoved in their mouth. And that is... And, and that it's beyond a sporting event at this point. It's clearly a blood feud, a, a, yeah. you know, a match of hatred. Yeah. That is the drawback, though, with the I Quit match, is that they do focus so much on asking for the words to be spoken, that I feel it can disrupt the flow of a match more often than not. Okay. Well, I would argue that the uh, one of the greatest matches of all time that's not included on this list is an I Quit match, and it was my, cho- it was my choice in the great cage matches as well, which is Magnum TA against Tully Blanchard at Starcade 85. And it really does, you know, and there are other famous ones, The Rock and Mick Foley, um, Bret Hart and Bob Backlund. That one was a bit awkward because Bob Backlund was in so much pain from having the chicken wing done on him for once that he couldn't actually say, I quit. And Roddy Piper just had to say, yeah, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. 
and ring the bell. Um, JBL and John Cena having one of John Cena's best matches early on in his career and his, as he first won the WWE Championship back in 2005. A very bloody violent match that was. Um, so, yeah, it's a great gimmick. Um, Rey Mysterio and Chavo Guerrero trading I quit victories in, in the uh, sort of 2006 time, I think. But anyway. Uh, that was Cena, Rusev's one. Where Rusev mm. said it in Bulgarian, but then pretended yes, he didn't say yes, it. Yes, yes, um, yes. So, let's get to the match itself. Now, here is, this is like, if if there's a common argument, I remember I remember back in 1998-99 time when loads of people started getting into wrestling. And they always said, oh, and they were like, they were trying to sort of, maybe they were also becoming aware of the internet side of things. Their criticism of Steve Austin when we talk about it was he would only have one type of match with the brawls. And I would always show them uh, the match that he had with Bret Hart at the 1996 Survivor Series where he out-wrestled the wrestler's wrestler. It was before the neck injury that really forced him to make that change. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, if people say that Ric Flair always has the same match over and over again, this is probably the match I would show them to say he can do so much more than that because this is Ric Flair wrestling a Terry Funk match. There are no, to my re- recollection, no trademark Ric Flair bumps or moves he doesn't do the flare flop he doesn't do the flare flip he doesn't do anything off the top rope or cross bodies i don't think he does the apron run either no no well he wouldn't because that would be the follow-up to the flip and he never does the flip he just fights terry funk they brawl all over the arena and it is chaotic and it's not i mean as much as i love the matches of like the johnny gargano against tommaso champa matches these intricately interwoven uh, you know, grand operas of yeah. references and, and stages and everything. This feels like it's something that could have just been called in the ring at the time of just, I'm going to throw you over the table. All right. I don't know what's going to happen here, but let's see what goes. Let's, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Mm. Um, But that improvisational nature works with it because a fight is improvisational. Yeah. And you it, know, it does feel like a brawl in that sense. Um, it's also interesting that this is not for the title. Ric Flair is the champion, but it's not for the belts. It's more about more than the belts. Which was something that would happen with WCW a few times, like when Sting had his uh, Falls Count Anywhere match with Cactus Jack at Beach Blast 92, which for a long time Mick Foley rated as his best match of all time. That was also a non-title match. It's that idea of the champion having different sort of challenges beyond just being a champ. That yeah. This is about Ric Flair's pride. And, and of course, Terry Funk saying before the match starts, if I lose, I will shake your hand. If you lose, you shake my hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just Funk Funk is amazing from the start. Before the match starts, he grabs the mic and says, Why don't you quit now and save yourself the beating that's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, can you just imagine if like they actually had and it's like, Well, that's all folks. Um yeah, fair enough. So, yeah. I've got, got a title match in bloody Florida on Thursday. I think oh, I'll save myself. I don't need this. <laughs> yeah. I've got a bit of a sniffle. <laughs> But yeah, this is this is a wild Texas brawl. Yeah, and it's it's all about. It is an I quit match, which I hearken to earlier, where it's about the phrase, because Funk is obsessed with getting those words out of Flair throughout the match. Um, to the point where it, like he even beats him with the mic. He's yeah, like, you know, yeah. It's it's interesting that having issues with the PA system because there are two different mics involved. There's the wired mic and a wireless, wireless mic. mic yeah. You can see Tommy Young trying to make sure if the wireless mic is working or not. I think it's after it's been used on one of their faces, mm. to be fair. 
Uh, but yeah, it's odd seeing Ric Flair as the babyface with the more subdued, realistic selling. Yeah. He's not screaming, oh God, oh God, or taking wild bumps. He is, you know, he, when he's getting beaten up, it's it's cause for concern, not like him getting his comeuppance or anything like that. Yeah. It's, a, it's an entirely different kind of Ric Flair that you don't get to see much of, really. No, and that was like a really enjoyable aspect of it. Is mm. He wasn't doing the stuff... Well, gimmick see. matches weren't that frequent either. And the idea yeah. of the gimmick match actually being something different, you know? Yeah. There is no lockup. There are no... Although he does eventually go to his submission hold with the figure four towards the end of the match. Uh, but yeah, Terry Funk's just awesome in this match. He's in incredible shape for his age. Oh, yeah, he is. Like, he's just... He's cut. He's not yeah, stacked. He's, he's not jacked. He's just yeah. He's, he's not like lean. CrossFit cut, but you yeah. know, at a time when you didn't necessarily know what what the right things to eat and drink were, and at the right times you weren't oh, yeah, carrying yeah. around, you weren't carrying around little lunch boxes of chicken and broccoli all over the place. It's very impressive that he got himself in this kind of lean condition. Yeah. There's there's not much body fat on him whatsoever, and he's just great at being a psychopath. Um, there's like that bit before. He hits the pile driver on Flair, where he's just mocking him and taunting him about Flair's neck injury. Yes, I like. I like that the and this was something that they did a lot towards the more recent I Quit matches, like John Cena Batista, and sometimes that was how they would finish it. The threat of the move would it be enough to make them quit? Yeah. So it's like he's got him in the pile driver position and say, "Quit before I do this to you," like an ultimatum. Yeah, I like. I like that as a as a as a way of doing things. Because that's like the better way. I think that's the whole point is that you beat them so, so badly that they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's all about the neck at this point as well. Ric Flair's neck that nearly was a career ending injury. He does a pile driver on the outside. The pile driver's quite awkward because it's the same as the one that he did in the table one where essentially Ric Flair's doing a handstand. Yeah. Like his hands are holding the feet of Terry Funk as opposed to sort of behind the knees or on the thigh. And because of that, Funk has to kind of very slowly sit down and Ric Flair sort of has to tuck his chin up. It's an awkward way of doing it. I don't know why they did it that way, but that's just how they did it. This is before Terry Funk switched to the gotch style, pulling them by the trunks to get the, the pile driver, which also Mick Foley would incorporate as well in his style. Of doing things, but then again, maybe because Ric Flair did have a history of well back issues as well as anything, uh, they did want to be ca- uh, careful. But yeah, just there's a, such a sense of chaos throughout the matches. One bit I love is just a couple of times Ric Flair just follows Terry Funk and just jumps on his back yeah. with no care for what's in front of them, what's behind them, what they might land on. It'd be like he could pull a muscle on Terry Funk. Very, you know, it wasn't a careful jump on the back. No. He's just, like, leapt onto him. Um, One of my favourite bits that just simplifies uh, how chaotic it is, is the bit with the table, not not long after the pile drivers. And it's not an intricately laid up table spot or anything either, is it? It's just, there's a table, let's fight near the table. (laughs) And then they just, I can't remember, I think it's like Funk, or is it Flair? I can't remember which one gets, not just thrown onto the table, not just slammed, sort of skimmed like a stone off of the table. And the table itself is clearly not designed to break or like the the standard WWE table. Yeah. It's also not very often with the table things. I really like to do the Chekhov's gun thing with the table where they introduce it in the first act and then it will get a payoff in the last act. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's just, okay, now we're dealing with this table until the table's useless and it's like collapsed on itself. 
Yeah. It's like, um, oh, we'll get it out, we'll just wear it to its, like, absolute arse, and then we're off. But, the, yeah, there is just that sense of brutality. I love the the spot where Ric Flair just crotches Rick Terry Funk on the guardrail. Oh, yeah. And that looks painful. What I wanted right after that was for the ref to then put the mic in his face and say, do you quit? And for Terry Funk to go, no! I'm fine! <laughs> I'm okay! <laughs> Thing is, with Funk, how would you notice the difference in voice? I don't know. He's just kind of like that. Where is it would be like that? <laughs> I do love the fact for the first time after hearing years of Jim Ross impersonations uh, I actually get to hear Terry Funk call someone an egg-sucking dog. You egg-sucking dog. <laughs> As he's hammering yeah. away. Yeah. I always thought that was just like a gentle, genteel old man insult, but no. And, and, no. Some would argue this is the number one and two announcers of all time calling this match because it's JR and Gordon, Gordon Soley yeah. doing the classic line, Five letters, two words, I quit. And it's interesting that two different ways. I think I think Gordon Soli did call the um, Starcade match as well. We'll have to talk about it another time. I might be wrong. But his sort of impersonal dry observation of it is so strange. And, and Whereas JR really tries to In echo right. the intensity of the match. Yeah. Whereas Gordon Soli kind of has a classic sports announcer... Patterton. It works well against each other. Yeah. I think it helps that that, that it's Gordon Soldi doing the colour commentary. Um, Whereas if you look at J.R. and King's commentary, King would be like the uh the wacky guy and J.R. sort of stepped back as hair. Yeah, well it was always interesting actually when J Jerry Lawler actually started to give real advice about the match itself. I remember loving his commentary for the Iron Man match between The Rock and Triple H, and they emphasize the fact that Jerry Lawler is a guy that's wrestled 60-minute matches, and he does actually give experiential advice, you know? It's always like, I loved it whenever someone applied a submission hold on SmackDown back when Taz was announcing it, and Taz would actually kind of explain what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, what's interesting as well is this is no... Like I said, this if it was done now, it'd be intricately laid out with an agent backstage. There'd be callbacks. There'd be peaks and troughs. Whereas, like, the finish is just Flair beating the shit out of Terry Funk for about five minutes. Yeah. And then he just gets in the figure four. It doesn't even have the figure four in for long. Yeah. Um, Funk is like... Um, Funk is, Funk is like one hope spot at one point where where Flair goes for the figure four. He kicks him off. He tries to do a suplex off the apron and Ric Flair... He tries to suplex him back into the ring and Ric Flair just drops him on the apron. The apron spots ahead of their time. <laughs> and then it just finishes with Ric Flair putting Terry Funk in the figure four and Funk just going, my leg, my leg! Didn't Funk never, poke Flair in the never. eye at that point? Um, I have that as a eye poke from Funk. Mm. But yeah, just Funk Flair is just so vicious and and just driven and determined. The way I would describe it is it's kind of like a a great western where the angry drunk Lee Marvin or Liberty Valance has been causing chaos in town and finally the sheriff John Wayne or Gary Cooper's had enough of it and they duke it out in the in the streets they don't go for the guns but it's just it's ah uh, you've pushed me too far liberty or something like that you know i just love i just love the, the it was just something different and just men using fists to resolve a problem and, and just like how the previous match with rick flair and ricky steamboat set up the continuing feud the ongoing feud then with funk and flair 
this then just descends into utter chaos for the next few minutes where Funk is a man of his word and he shakes Flair's hand. Much to Gary Hart's consternation. So, yeah, constellation. Constellation. He's up in the stars. I said constellation. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I said constellation. I did love briefly when when, uh, Gary Hart would get involved and the mic would be near them. You'd actually hear them in character sort of yelling at each other and stuff. But you would really only expect... I think at one point you heard Tommy Young tell Gary Hart off. He's like, what are you doing getting involved? He's like, that's no rules! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that, yeah. Um, so yeah it's just the story of it had all been that Terry Funk didn't know if he was good enough anymore and he was bitter and angry and jealous and when he couldn't beat Ric Flair in a match he was like well I'll beat you in a fight I'll humiliate you some way or another and he just couldn't quite hang anymore that's the story of the match that he's still a crazy tough old bastard but he's he's not not the NWA World Heavyweight Championship worthy anymore and this is you know it's something that very few wrestlers would have the humility to do now I guess like a version of that was quite recently-ish. Was when Kurt Angle lost to Braun Strowman, uh, not Braun Strowman, sorry, Drew McIntyre. But it wasn't. In, it was in a different context, anyway. You know, yeah. Angle's the babyface, not the desperate heel trying to get one one over. Anyway, necessary because they they got into big trouble very recently because um, Terry Funk had tried to suffocate Ric Flair by putting a plastic bag over his head. And uh, this was at the point Turner genuinely did own the company at this point. And so they were given very strict instructions that they couldn't do anything violent, you know, in a wrestling show. They couldn't have them express hatred towards one another. In a wrestling in a, show. In a wrestling show. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, plastic bag spot, possibly too far. Especially if you're, like, you're trying to get kid-friendly sponsors, because kids will do that. They're fucking idiots. Um, unfortunately. But... You've got to have some artistic license. Yeah. But yeah, then it descends into chaos. The great Muta comes out with the Dragon Master, beat the shit out of Ric Flair. Then Sting turns up, uh, evens it up, whilst Terry Funk's taking a beating from Gary Hart. Then Lex Luger comes in with a chair and clobbers Sting and clobbers Flair. And that had been like, Flair, Luger had gradually been turning heel over the previous few months. And just before then, he cheated to beat Brian Pillman and Sting had come out and saying, we're no longer friends anymore. And also earlier on in the show, Ric Flair won the Wrestler of the Decade trophy from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So like those were the two final things to snap Lex Luger and turn him here. That's the trophy that he smashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he goes to town on that. Sorry? He goes to town on that trophy. Yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was a flimsy material. I don't think wrestlers, wrestling promotions put that much money into the trophies. No. Understandably so. Because... At least in the Western Hemisphere, any trophy that's presented will get smashed. I don't like American trophies that have that sort of long, you know, just really tall things with like four pillars and everything. I prefer a good cup. You can hold in your hand. Oh, I think that's the English English in us. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe because the R's come from like a Victorian era and there's more recent, you know. R's are things that you could like put, put some tea in afterwards or something like that, you know. Uh, I think the best, the trophy I appreciate the most from American sport is the uh, NFL trophy. Yeah, that's fairly simple. Because yeah. that, that maybe, maybe almost too elegant. much the other way. Yeah, it's it's like a um, it's like a less fancy uh, modern World Cup. You know what I mean? Because it's just yeah, got the yeah. Ball that, that's probably what clip. they based it on. Yeah, that's probably what they based on. Or maybe that was before then. I don't know. Well, I mean, Jules Rimmer was before that, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, silliest one's the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's stupidly big. Uh, there we go. Favourite trophy off the top of your head. What do you think? 
FA Cup. There's just something about it. Yeah, it is the classic. I really love the uh, snooker trophy. The World the Snooker Championship. Oh, remind me of that one. Uh, it's I don't know. It's sort of, well, you just Google image it. You know, it's it's got the little lady on at the top that famously Dennis Taylor kissed. Oh, <laughs> that one. That is a very good trophy. Yes. I also love the ones that they had in the 90s and 80s for the Benson and Hedges Masters, if you want to look those up. Uh, Stephen Hendry, they were gold ones. Stephen Hendry got to keep at least one of those because he won it so many times. The bastard. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's been a weird detour. Simon, to get us back, would you give this match five stars? No. Um, despite what I've said about the match so far in terms of it's really good, it's it's, it's really chaotic, It's it showcases what Terry Funk was and what Ric Flair was dragged into. I don't know if this is just because of how I feel about I quit matches. I don't know if it's just because I didn't feel there was much of a consistent thread through this match. Mm. But it's an alright match. Alright? Genuinely, that's only as far as you go. Yeah, it's alright. It's, wow. it's all right. I thought it was an excellent match for what it was supposed to be. Yeah, and no, it was so no. different, you know? And I think it was back at the time when they maybe respected gimmicks more. Yes. In, in like a, as, as, as a means of psycholo- using psychology for it. And, and, I, and I do have to emphasise the caveats I have added. I do have a natural hatred. Not hatred. Hatred is a strong word. Um, I'm not really inclined towards I quit matches in general just because I think that the way they've been done to death in terms of how they overemphasise the eyes quit and it disrupts the flow of the match bothers me. That's, I don't know. It's the same reason I hate table. I hate, hate tables matches. Hate them. Mm. Okay, well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come, we come to, to it, it later on. But yeah, I love the match. I wouldn't quite give it five stars, but it's obvious that I would rate it higher than you would. Yes, I think I think that's true. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. But God, don't, mm. don't get me wrong at all. I just think, to me, it just sits middle of the road-ish. But yeah, this is the only, this is the last time we will see Terry Funk. Having seen him in all Japan, having a wild brawl with uh, Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen, he knows he likes his anarchy. He wouldn't he be a bad. Anarchy. I think a little bit wouldn't be a bad member of Sanity, maybe. I think the anarchy he displayed in that tag match. I think a little bit more of that should have been peppered in. Although I get that if Turner had told them not to go down that far, he was he was handcuffed a little bit potentially. Mm. Maybe that's another caveat we need. To, I need to throw into my. But this is also the last uh, Ric Flair singles match we will see. We have one more match with Ric Flair to go, but we've had his feuds, his matches with Barry Windham. He's had his matches with Ricky Steamboat. It's kind of uh, appropriate, actually. A guy from the future, a guy from his present, and a guy from the past. Although in the in the opposite way round, almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, nothing much more to say than Ric Flair is obviously one of the greatest of all time, and. Like I think when 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 um, Dave Meltzer was going so crazy for the work that Kazuchika Okada has been doing in 2017, 2018, the guy that he points to as like an Annus Mirabilis, an incredible year, like to him the gold standard is basically what Ric Flair was doing in 1989 yeah. with Ricky Steamboat and Terry Funk. You can understand why. You oh, know, four five star matches, one of which we actually agreed upon as being five stars. The only matches that I've given five star, two of them. And the only one that you've given five stars to so far has been Ric Flair. So I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll do a bit more about him. But it's just he genuinely is. I'm sorry, Brett, I have to disagree. He is one of the greatest of all time. And he was capable of having different kinds of matches. Uh, I, and you're right. This match 
is a good way to showcase that point because mm. it is very different to what we've seen before in Ric Flair matches. So that is the end of this one, and we are back in Japan now for another very historically significant match, and it is once more Jumbo Saruta, but instead of facing, as in the previous match, his contemporary in Genichiro Tenru, he's facing one of these young upstarts, and a man that we've seen once before as Tiger Mask 2, but has now recently unmasked to reveal his true identity, which is Mitsuhara Misawa. This is a match that is arguably one of the most important matches in the history of wrestling, let alone Japanese wrestling. So I look forward to discussing that, and I hope you do too, Simon. I do indeed. Well, I'm always down for a bit of jumbo, as we well know. Yes. But before we get to that, Simon, how can people get in touch with you in the interim? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, so known for the number of heels that ran into this match after it was over. Very good. I'm Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple, N for Norman. If I'm going to be on any kind of social media platform, it will be under that name. So that's what you've got to do. I'm sorry I forgot to do anything unique with my name. I was just thinking off the top of my head, and you're just going to have to deal with this. <laughs> I, can't, I can't improvise like Ric Flair and Terry Funk can necessarily. I do the same spot over and over again. That was my Flair flip into the top row. You're not skimming blokes off tables. No. <laughs> I'm doing what to blokes on tables? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's what I'm about to do now. But until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. seen a sight that didn't look better looking back I